Photographers keeping it real. Photographers keeping it real. This is our podcast. We've never done this before. We practice just a little bit. So we apologize if it's a bad shit I know so good. Oh yeah. Photographers keeping it real. We keep it real cause we like the way that it feels. Hello and welcome to the Photographers Keeping It Real podcast. I'm Andy Hudson and this is Steve Grogan. Good evening. How are you? You uh, okay? I'm very hungover. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> hungover on a Tuesday. That's amazing. Oh, it's bad, man. Went out to have a few drinks with uh, Andy Turner uh, last night uh, and yes. um, probably had one too many and been feeling a bit rough all day, but that's that's okay. I can handle it just about. Three pints is one too many for you. Well, I was drinking gin and tonics last night, which might have been the problem. <laughs> Well, we should have uh, mentioned a few things before we crack on with the uh, episode. Uh, Firstly, we must mention our podcast partners, QT Albums. Uh, Seriously, if you haven't signed up with them uh, for your albums, definitely go and check out their stuff at qtalbums.com. Both myself and Steve use them, and in our opinion, they are simply the best album company around. I mean, they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, And first of all, how amazing were those prizes from Pixaloo for the last Keeping It Real Awards? What did we give away? Smart smart albums with cloud proofing for the first prize and smart albums for the second prize and smart slides pro license for the third prize um yeah i mean i think that went down really well didn't it with with the the award winners obviously it's great to win an award but if you if you win a copy of of like smart albums or smart slides as well it sort of uh it just adds to the excitement of being an an award winner yeah it's worth a few quid as well Um, yeah i think it was about a thousand dollars worth of prizes they gave away for for the uh awards which is brilliant and the most amazing thing is that they've donated the same prizes again for the Summer Awards, which will be opening soon. Uh, so if anybody wants to enter and be in with a chance of not only winning a much-coveted Photographers Keeping It Real award, but also um, either Smart Albums or Smart Slides, head over to the Photographers Keeping It Real website and click Join Us to sign up. Mm-hmm. How was Snap? By the way, Andy, oh. the festival you went to, the photography festival you went to recently. It was so good, dude, honestly. Um... It was just great to get away for five days and attend loads of really awesome workshops to do with business. And, uh, you know, like a lot of it was about sort of mental health as well and looking after yourself as a sole trader and just mm-hmm. loads of brilliant. Important. Like, shoot- yeah, very important. Loads of shooting advice. And not only that, but I got to attend a talk by our very own Hannah Hall, who was giving away all her best branding secrets. And I'm a little bit annoyed with her um, because <laughs> it's not difficult. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, because I went to Snap because I knew, well, I didn't go to Snap for this reason, but I knew at Snap there'd be people with so many cameras and I wanted to find a fault with them so that I wouldn't end up spending loads of money on them switching over from Canon. And nobody showed me any faults with them and I was all set to to buy one. And then I did Hannah's uh, talk on branding and all of the money I had saved for my Sony cameras is now going to be spent on a full rebrand and a new website. So I can't buy Sony no. anymore, but hopefully it'll be good in the long long run. I've been, I've been saying for a while the camera is only a tool. It's um, yes. People can get a little bit over-obsessed sometimes i think with gear and um 
That's true. Although if Sony are listening to this, we'd quite happily accept some free Sony cameras. So. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I, definitely I, I have had a go of the Sonys and I do like them. They are um, good. But, but the, um, yeah, Hannah's talk on branding was just brilliant. It really opened my eyes to, to loads of things that I didn't really realize I was doing wrong, but also things that I kind of knew I needed to do but hadn't prioritized over buying awesome new fancy gear, which then I realized, right, I need to I need to buy uh, a new a new website and a new uh, sort of have my branding redone rather than just buy another cool camera. No, no, it's uh, things like that. Sometimes you just got to prioritize. Exactly. Um, I would, I would have loved to have gone to Snap, as you, as you well know. Um, but I actually had a wedding when it was on. I know it was during the week, but I, one of my lovely clients, our lovely couples, rather booked me for a wedding on a Thursday. Wow. How dare they? I know. Um, which meant I couldn't attend. Um, and I did really fancy going to Snap because I like the vibe that it was giving off it didn't seem like your typical kind of stuffy workshop it it, it did feel more like a the kind of place that i would like to go so yeah. i will definitely be going next year cool um plus i also went away uh, shortly after so i don't think financially i could really have afforded it <laughs> yeah you went to uh, norway didn't you i did yeah i just went away for for five days with a with an old friend of mine it was um a bit of a bizarre circumstances ever since i've been a child i found out there's a, a little town called hell right in in norway and it was one of those when i was a kid i was like i'm gonna go there one day and so at age 42 i actually went yeah i'm gonna go so there was actually nothing there really apart from <laughs> about i don't know 50 houses and a small hotel it's right near the trondheim airport but it was great it was good fun we didn't actually stay there for the five days because that would have just been a bit of overkill but we yeah. we um we went all around norway and had a bit of a, a trip uh down to oslo as well it was incredibly expensive. You're right. talking at least ten pound for a beer, oh. and that's not exaggerating. That wow. is literally what it was. Um, but you know, it was it was good. It was a good break. Um, but I've I've got no money now. But you can at least now say uh, truthfully that you've been to hell and back, which is pretty cool. Absolutely, <laughs> it, it's it's a lifelong ambition. It's it's childish. It's it's it may seem small to some people, but for me, it just makes me chuckle. No, oh, it's pretty cool, and that's important. Yeah. So anyway. Um, I've heard this story about 3,000 times already, but I, and I know that there are people out there who will be interested, particularly Hannah Hall, who, who hasn't yet heard this story, but you need to, to tell us about, because I think the last podcast was, was was it did it three or four days before your second child was born? I think it was, yeah. Wow, so, so um, I believe you've now got a, a daughter called Ada, aka yeah. Darth Ada. That's right, yep, Darth Ada, my wife loves that nickname. <laughs> yeah she's not keen so tell me this birth story go on i know you're dying to tell it again right okay well i apologize to anyone who has heard this story already and you mentioned hannah hall because she seems to always have been in the vicinity when i've been telling this story <laughs> so she is really sick of it uh, and i'm sure she thinks i'm gonna i'm milking it but um if you have heard this story before maybe skip forward a few minutes just so you don't have to listen to me and my boring story but anyone who hasn't heard it it's, it's pretty interesting so um yeah so when uh my wife gaia went into labor so with Leon, we went to the hospital uh, and they were saying, oh, you're not ready, go home, come back later and all this stuff. So she was really keen not to sort of have to go to the hospital and come home and stuff. So leave it till she she knew she was sort of getting close to having Ada. Yeah. Um, so between the time that Leon, so when we went to the hospital with Leon uh, and him being born, it was like four or five hours and she felt yeah. she was sort of at the, the same stage again with Ada uh -huh. so um I went right okay uh she went upstairs and I said right I'll go and let the dog out so uh let the dog out he went out for a minute came back in uh I went up back upstairs and there was a lot of kind of very 
painful sounding noises coming from the bathroom and I was like okay Ooh. that doesn't sound good so um, I better go and check she's all right so I went in the bathroom and I was like and the first thing she said to me she just sort of looked at me very matter of fact and went the baby's coming you're gonna have to Ooh. deliver her <laughs> and I'm like what I'm like no get in the car <laughs> and she's like no you're gonna have to deliver the baby and I'm like it's you've got to step up and, and, and do what what you need to do yeah yeah well that wasn't really my thought at that point I thought uh the contraction <laughs> will finish and she'll get in the car so I'm like this went on for a couple of minutes and then I'm like no seriously like I and then I'm apparently I said this in a very panicky voice rather than calm voice I'm saying in it now uh, saying it in now but I said uh, uh something along the lines of you know I, I can't deliver the baby like I, I don't know what to do um and then she said, oh, well, ring 999. So, um, and you should be on the phone to the maternity unit at the hospital uh, not long before that. So um, I said, no, no, I'll ring them. So I rang them and I said, look, um, my wife says like the, the baby's coming in. I'm going to have to deliver her. Um, like thinking they would then go put her on the phone and then I'd put like her on the phone and they'd go get in the, mm. get in the car <laughs> you know what I mean like they would just say what I like what I was thinking and then they were like well um can you see anything and I'm like well I've not like looked so like I, you know <laughs> I've looked out yeah so I kind of had a little look and I was like come on um yeah I can see a bit of the head and they're like right okay, okay. and then you know about a minute past maybe not even that and then like guys waters broke and I was like right the waters are broken, and the midwife's like, right, okay, um, we'll, we'll ring an ambulance and stay there, stay on the line, and then they came back a couple minutes later and said, the well, ambulance will be about 15 minutes, and I'm like thinking, that seems quite Whoa. a long time. Uh, and then my yeah. wife had another contraction, and Anada was crowning, and at that point I thought, oh no, I am actually going to have to do this. Um, and, uh, and like a few minutes passed, another push, and, and she was out to her shoulders, and then another push and I was like just holding my baby in my arms and I delivered her. <laughs> so wow. I was like, there's just me, my wife and now a baby. Uh, that's, uh, a, that's a pretty extraordinary story. I will give you that. I it, mean. it was pretty crazy. I mean, like it was it was weird because when I realized I was going to have to deliver it, I actually became quite calm in a lot of ways and sort of like some sort of like primeval instinct kicked in and i managed yeah. to do it all without sort of freaking out too much you probably look because you know before hospitals and you know modern day hospitals people were born at home all the time weren't they yeah so i suppose it is something that we've evolved to just kind of deal with but obviously in the last few few years it's something that's generally always in hospital but yeah i mean i had obviously been there when Leon was born so I kind of like saw it all and I kind of like understood it a bit but like still like being in that position just, delivering just push push in. push push well, <laughs> I'm probably, I, I don't I, I didn't even have to say that because you just, it, it just her body was just ready <laughs> completely ready to to do it and and there was nothing really I needed to do other than sort of help her out and yeah about five minutes later the ambulance turned up so we we're just sat on the bathroom floor like holding our baby just like looking at right, each can, other oh, now we've done it I've done your work yeah <laughs> but the weird thing was like I think for about five minutes like that five minutes we we're waiting for the ambulance I don't know if we actually said anything to each other I think we just kept looking at each other and going <laughs> wow like you know like did that really happen but the weirdest thing or the funniest thing about it was um about two or three days before guy had put um she'd found this um emergency home birth leaflet that she'd been given when um she was uh, pregnant with leon um and she'd put it on on the little coffee table in the living room for me to read and i hadn't read it obviously because i didn't think i would need to and yeah, i was like yeah, yeah i should have really read that that would have probably been quite useful um yeah so yeah so that was it so we got a very healthy very happy, a uh, little smiley um, 
three month old now um called yes. ada and she's a she's a, a bundle of joy she's crying sometimes and sometimes smiling and i prefer the smiling part but you know you've got to <laughs> take the rough with the smooth she's uh oh, of course. yeah she's beautiful though she's such a little cutie pie so um yeah and i'll always have that that thing it's like probably the best thing i'll ever do in my entire life to deliver my own child so yeah it was it all worked out I well i think i can't i'm struggling to think of anything that would be more heroic to be honest with you but well doing this podcast uh, with your fine self does run a close second i've got to say i know i know i know <laughs> i know it is that's very kind of you to say so but uh well this particular podcast podcast number five i believe yes from, if anyone's counting um we think it's going to be a cracker um because we've got with us talking with us today the slightly off the wall but brilliant paul jarrett aka bomb nights joining us so hello paul are you there still <laughs> yeah i'm still here um wow how do I follow that story up? Yeah, it's pretty... Uh... I'm sure if anyone can, you can. Yeah, no, I'm just... <laughs> that's the end of the podcast. I just wanted to tell everyone the story. Sorry, Paul, we just used you. Yeah. <laughs> nice one, Andy. Thank <laughs> you very much. Um, but yeah, hello. hello. Um, nice hello. to be here. Good, good. Are you okay? Good, yeah, very well. Very well. Um, relaxed, drinking wine, as per usual, um, and looking forward to it. Well, I normally have a little little tipple while we're doing the podcast because, like, we always record it at night, and it's quite nice to just have a little uh, whiskey or something while we're recording. But I'm currently drinking mint tea with a big glass of water next to me, so I hope you enjoy your wine. You don't feel as rough as I do currently uh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, okay, Steve, are you drinking? Uh, I'm on Vimto. Wow, because I'm i'm hardcore uh, no no I've, I've drank a lot recently and i don't generally drink that much as a whole and the last few weeks because of holidays and various parties yeah i'm i'm letting everyone down i know that but i need to do it for my own mental and physical health i'm 42 yeah. i'm getting old a little bit well let's you know. let's start on and on a kind of like nice easy sort of paced level for the start because i know this is going to pick up pace quite quickly from what uh steve's sort of filled me in on paul's do you want to call them antics but should we say quirks maybe or <laughs> something along those lines so paul we love the name bomb nights but we have literally no idea what it means can you fill us in uh yeah so uh, i'm welsh Woohoo. yeah um ah. and it's celtic for beautiful memories Oh, wow. Really? Nah, I'm just fucking... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get the beeper out again there. Yeah, I know, terrible. Sorry, guys. It's okay. Oh, no, it's... Am I allowed to swear? You are. Right. Yeah, I'll just we put a all... little explicit tag on it <laughs> to warn people. Parental, parental advisory explicit lyrics or explicit yeah. words. Those. So wait, is that, is that genuinely where it come from? Or are you just telling <laughs> <this bit? laughs> no, no, I'm taking a piss. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it came from um, ages ago, actually. So... I've got two young kids, uh, Isabella and JJ. Isabella's seven now and Jay's three. Um, uh, when Jay was two and Isabella was six, good maths, we were all kind of messing about and dressing up and everything else. Um, and we were dressed up as like superheroes. I had a saucepan on my head, um, thanks to Isabella. Big cape on and all that. Isabella had a crown, a Spider-Man outfit and probably my shoes. Um, and JJ had, I think, her leotard on at the time. Um, so she, she named herself Supergirl as she would, um, she named me Super Daddy, which I thought was quite nice. Um, and JJ didn't have a name. So I asked her what should we call JJ for superhero name? And she said, bomb nights. And that's where it came from. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. So I stole it off my kid basically. Right. No, it's very distinctive anyway. I'll I'll give you that. Cause I, I did think it was genuinely something 
like romantic, <laughs> like you said. And <laughs> no, 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 but no. Then no. I thought, having known you now, I was like, nah, there's no way. There's no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good job I... she didn't come up with like stinky farty pants as the name or something like that, because I'm not sure that would have really made couples book you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably still use yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> just... hey, it's another unique, unique selling point. So why not? I would love to. I'd love to see your logo for that. That would be pretty memorable. <laughs> <laughs> great actually wouldn't it just a <laughs> pair of YY fronts with yeah. a big, big yellow stain down the front Ooh, a big brown oh, stain down the back oh Sorry. dear this I'm feeling pretty Sorry. queasy already Paul so come on <laughs> I so Paul, Paul I mean when I first t- start chatting with Andy about about getting you onto the podcast I did I did so Andy that I thought that your work was kind of gritty I know that sounds a bit cheesy in a way but it, it looks amazing your work but what influences were you were to make you shoot that way or was it something that you'd seen elsewhere or was it just something that developed over time did it evolve naturally or or did you set out initially to literally just deliberately produce really gritty images wow um yeah good question um i, I hope i've not offended you no i mean it depends how you take the word gritty i suppose doesn't it it's, i mean um... it in a good way a good way um because i like gritty i like edgy gritty personally so Cool. That's all right then. I'll carry on yeah. talking to you. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it, it, I've kind of always shot that way. So I did, I've, before I did weddings, I did an awful lot of personal work, like street photography and that. And I've yeah. kind of always sort of shot that way. And I think it, the way I shoot is sort of defined by um, my life experiences, if that makes sense. Mm. So, you know, I shoot. I shoot how I see the world. There's no kind of preconceptions there or anything like that. It's just what I see. And it's it's quite interesting, I suppose, because I, w- I was talking to a guy over in the States uh, a couple of months ago about documentary work, mm. uh, Th- Thomas Doggett. So hello, Thomas, if you're listening. Um, he's like an ex-police officer. I'm an ex-CPO, um, close protection officer. Ah, was, right. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting and varied life I've had. Yeah. And he was saying, like, you know, I can see that you've had quite a gritty life, you know, an interesting life, and it really sort of shines through in your pictures. And that's kind of what I do. You know, I don't, I don't, as weird as it sounds, I don't shoot for anybody else. I shoot for me. And if people like what I do, that's great. Um, mm. And if they don't, they don't. Simple as that, really. Well, yeah. we, we definitely do. And the one thing that I noticed looking at your work, to me anyway, it's all about, like, the emotion of uh and feeling of the day of over technical perfection so there is motion blur there's tons of grain and things like that but it really adds to the to the scene it's not sort of like you know when i say it's not technical perfection it it works within the scene though do you know what i mean like you're not like missing the moment trying to get that perfect shutter speed to make it fully you know uh, non-blurry so you're not trying to achieve that look though it just sort of comes naturally it seems yeah it's um it it it's actually something I've worked on really hard. So um, oh. I'm under, I'm kind of taken away from this that you're not saying my pictures are shit, but they make you cry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's actually That's... great because there's an honesty. I guess what I'm trying to say, there's an honesty about them. It's not like you, you've done those things just to try and copy or mimic someone else's style. It just seems that you're looking for these particular moments and somehow the technical side of it manages to match uh, the the scene really well without you really being focused on the technical side if that makes sense yeah yeah um yeah it does make sense actually um i am very hungover so just tell me if i don't make any sense i don't even know what i'm on about i'm nearly, I'm nearly very drunk mate so don't worry about fair it. enough um yeah so it's taken me a while to kind of get the perfect imperfect look right yeah. i guess i'd call it 
Um, you know, I'm, I think these days you've got to be a bit of a moron not to get a decent looking picture sure. with modern cameras. You know, it's quite easy to do, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, if you know what you're doing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not overly obsessed with the what I'd probably call the aesthetic quality qualities of a picture, more the feeling and the emotion, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, took, it's taken me quite a while to to nail that look, you know, to get it really looking how I want. I use, like you said, you know, I use slower shot speeds. Yeah. I, I'm always kind of moving when I'm taking a picture as well. So I don't really stop and take a picture. I'll walk and take a picture and I'll mm. only ever take one picture of a scene as it's unfolding. And I know, I know some people do take, you know, uh-huh. multiple pictures of the same scene. Yeah. That's uh, really interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, personally, my shooting style is more multiples and then, and then deliver the, the the best one. But you seem to be the opposite, which is which is great. It's good that that everyone works differently. I find stuff like this fascinating. Yeah, I mean it's great. You know, everybody uses kind of what works for them, really, don't they? But yeah. I suppose to me, that picture I take is that moment that that's it in its absolute pure purest form, its clarity. Um, and you, you can't you can't reproduce that. You, obviously you can if you take lots and lots of pictures of the same scene but um yeah it's just not the way i work really it's, i suppose i guess it's kind of this this is why i find it sort of really interesting to look at because i guess when you've taken that shot it is the equivalent of being a guest at a wedding sort of just glancing over your shoulder and then back away again and you've seen that split second of a moment you wouldn't sort of stand there and and like stare for like five or six sort of frames of a of taking a photo really a lot of time in in life we just sort of glance at something and glance away and that one yeah split second is what we remember yeah exactly so um you know i guess the kind of way i work is or my ethos or my mindset is i am kind of a guest at a wedding and i i i, I operate like that and i treat it like that so you know if i then start pausing taking lots of pictures it, it kind of gives the game away you know yeah and it, it, it sort of ruins the moment for me, if that makes any kind of sense. It really does, actually. It's quite interesting to hear you talk about it, because to me, the way you shoot, kind of, it's really interesting to know that you've worked at that as well. It's not just sort of like, you know, happened by chance. And although it sort of looks like you're not really paying as much attention to the technical side as some people, actually, you kind of are. And you're doing that with a very deliberate uh, aesthetic in mind overall. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I guess a lot of that comes from, like, the street stuff that I do, you know, I've worked, mm. my practice ground is my street photography, you know, um, getting compositions right, getting the framing right, getting the light right, this, that and the other, I, I work damn hard on that in the background, so when I shoot a wedding, it's kind of instinctive, it's something I've really worked hard on to to kind of achieve that look, you know, and, and going back to what you were saying, Steve, about the grittiness and that, you know, I don't sharpen images. I add a shitload of grain to my images. Right. Um, so you add that even, yeah. If, even if even if it's it's the, the light is great and you don't really you're not struggling for a shot speed or anything. You just you just add it anyway. Do you think it it, it, it adds to your look or? I, yeah, I think it's. Kind of for me, it's more about having a, a, a consistent standard quality because you you know you, you shoot in a wedding and you do get these gorgeous pockets of light and you you get all these great things that would make a wow standout image. But for me, when I'm delivering a gallery to somebody, it's um, it's about consistency. So if I've got a load of grainy images, which I will do, you know, if you're shooting a dark venue, you're not using flash or yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. 
Um, I want that consistency throughout the whole gallery. I, I don't want one image that, that kind of, yeah, that stands out and it's like, wow, I, I want that consistency. It's all part of the story for me. No, I, I totally get that. And um, I think when I, when I was looking at your website, it, I, I genuinely do think that what you what, the way that you shoot is, is so, so unique and that 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 shot on on the homepage that you've got of the of the guy at the urinal, um, <laughs> I mean I mean that that slaps people in the face. I think straight away it's like this guy's different. You know I, I've not got a picture of anyone at urinal on my website. I know Andy hasn't. I know <laughs> I don't know any any other photographer out there that has. So I mean, did, what did the couple say when you delivered that? I mean, I assume because they booked you, they knew what to expect. But did that get any? <laughs> any any kind of different reaction that you were expecting or um yeah i think it depends which one you mean which picture you mean so i think i've got a bit of a problem with taking pictures of guys in toilets to be <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's the one that's on your own page on the slideshow there's um the man at the urinal the guy at the urinal oh right is, is there a guy stood next to him on the left Oh, I can't remember. I just it just it flicked round on the slideshow, and we were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> so I've got a few. So there's a couple that spring to mind. So there's the one that I've just said about with the the guy stood to, stood on the left of the other guy, and I, you know I think I, I just kind of walked in and I went, "All right, guys, I like taking pictures of men in toilets. Uh, <laughs> you don't mind, do you?" Um, but I'd already took the picture by that point, lost the startled expression. Um, right. And then there's another one, which is actually my favourite one, um, of the groom, uh, Curtis, hello if you're listening, where it's a full-on side, side shot, and I, I was on the toilet, um, not on the toilet, obviously I was having a wee, he was having a wee, um, and I, I think, I, I vaguely remember, I was quite drunk at the time, saying, you've got a really attractive penis, I'm going to take a picture of it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Amazing. Uh, um, and yeah, you know, it's... I, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't go in with the attention, the intention of like offending people, obviously. So, um, I will do that with the couples that I know I can get away with that. You ease yourself in, don't you? Throughout the day, people kind of get yeah. what you're about, so they then you know yourself how far you can push it. Yeah, exactly. I also it's, think yeah. that if you if you if some if you say it to someone or someone says to you, you know, you've got a really attractive penis, you're pretty much gonna just be like, Oh yeah, okay, whatever. You know, like you know, that is like, yeah, 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 oh thank you. You know, take a picture of it. Yeah. Like let's have a picture of it. It's really attractive, apparently. It's a, <laughs> it's a huge compliment to be yeah. told in a toilet, I, I would imagine. <laughs> now if you'd gone like Oh, uh, I'm going to take a picture of your penis, but I just need to put my zoom lens on or something. That would not go down well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always wide angle. I only ever shoot with one lens yeah. anyway, so it's um, it's all good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, moving on, moving on, definitely quickly. Um, I think <laughs> uh, I, I spent a little bit of time on your website, and it really, uh, sort of, in my opinion, lets couples know what they're getting anywhere and who they're getting. So I don't think they're that surprised when you sort of turn up and start doing these things because it is quite... Your website's really well honed, uh, sort of the message on there about who you are and, and sort of how you work and the kind of images that you produce. Did it take you a while to sort of be brave enough to be yourself with, with that? Wow. Um, not really, no. So when I started doing weddings, um, I did... I think my first website lasted probably about two weeks and I thought I looked at it one day probably after a couple of drinks and thought this just it's just not me yeah. you know yeah um and I, I just redesigned it that evening and thought fuck it I'm you know this is me 
if mm. people kind of get what I do and and uh, are invested in that, then brilliant. Um, I'm going to attract the right people. Um, if they don't, then obviously there's a there's a photographer out there somewhere for them. Um, yeah, so, so no, it, you know, it's quite a quick thing, really. And I think what a lot of people tend to struggle with, and it's what I did when I was first designing a website, was you know you want to try and please everybody, you want to try and appeal yeah. to the masses and get the bookings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, to be fair, you, you, you're kind of doing yourself a bit of a disservice, aren't you? If, you? if it's not you, why are you doing it? Yeah, well, you've um, got that opportunity, haven't you? Being, you know, you're you're the one making the decisions to to put yourself out there and attract the right kind of couples. I think normally it takes most of us more than two weeks uh, <laughs> to sort of like work that out. So well done for, yeah. for doing that so quickly. I think it took me, well, it's taken me about six years. So you're uh, obviously a, a quicker learner than me. <laughs> Or just really rash and stupid, um, I think. Well, I, I like the. Um, it seems it all seems very. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of the word impulsive, <coughs> but I don't mean that in a in a bad way. I mean it as in a quite an exciting way um, that you you get. I get the feeling that you could get, end up going in all sorts of directions with this. You, I don't know what that means, but it, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean it's. I shoot instinctively and you know like I said before I, I, I shoot how I see things so um it is kind of impulsive in a way because you know people moments human beings as a general rule are impulsive kind of creatures and yeah um I, I think I, I think mentally I've probably got something wrong with me where I just go fuck it I'm gonna do it this is how I am and 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 this is what you get kind of thing and and you know it works for me um i you know, I'm not advocating it for everybody. It's not going to work for everybody. Mm. I think you've got to have a certain personality to, to to kind of carry it off. Certainly throughout the day as well. You know, if you portray yourself as somebody who's um, outgoing, gregarious mm. um, on the website, and then you turn up and you're, you're, you're as quiet as a mouse, then those two things don't match up. Yeah, or, no, or, no. The, or the opposite, if you're like really ethereal and like, soft and mm. stuff like that with your your branding and your website and then you turn up and you're taking pictures of people having a pee that's gonna yeah. jar quite badly with the clients that you've attracted it's yeah. not gonna work is it it's not yeah. gonna work no. no 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 i totally agree with you but okay well now it's it's that time of the show where we we ask our guest to regale us with tales of embarrassment and mirth and <laughs> and you know well you know as well enough now to know you'll definitely have a um a great embarrassing story to share with us paul um so uh, roll on the jingle it went wrong it went wrong something went very wrong at a wedding went very wrong i thought it would be embarrassing then I thought, oh poor me, and then I thought it made a good story. But I'm gonna tell you right now, it's my embarrassing story, oh. Okay, Paul, let's hear your embarrassing story. Wow. Um, <laughs> pause for thoughts. Hang on, <laughs> let me think. There's so you many must have, You must have about 300 at least. Do you know? Do you know what though? The, the problem is, I just don't get embarrassed at anything, and so <laughs> I, I have no shame whatsoever, as you probably gathered. Um, if, if you kind of know me, and <laughs> people who know me know that. Um, th there was a time 
uh, well, there's been quite a few times, but I can remember a time where I shot a wedding um, and it was the end of the night. We were, everybody was absolutely hammered um, and there was a lady at a bar and she was talking to me about photography. She, the intro was, oh, I really like your camera, this and the other. Um, and she was going on about photography and this that, and the other and I went off on a mad waffle about how I'm, how much I didn't like the industry and how all this fashion shit was bollocks and you know the the, <laughs> the creating people that don't really exist and they're making women feel really bad and and all of that sort of stuff and and that probably lasted for about 15 minutes and at the end she said oh you know i didn't catch your name and so i said you know hi it's paul obviously the photographer and she went i can't even remember what her name was now but she, she was basically the photography editor for vogue um, <gasps> oh my UK. god and i was like oh, <laughs> fuck a duck <laughs> um, oh, but again I, I like that it, it, you've just been true to yourself yeah you know you, i think uh, i don't have a filter and i think that's probably half the problem but yeah you know i think i think if you're not being yourself, then who are you trying to be kind of thing? Um, there was another one, actually, where I shot. Sorry, I'm going to tell you another one. No, no, good. no, please Ed. do. Um, there was another one where I shot um, a wedding in Lake Como for Madeline and Rory. So, hi, guys, uh, if you're listening. And later, quite a few months later, I did Rory's birthday party as well. Oh, no, sorry, okay. it wasn't Rory's birthday party. It was another wedding that um, Madeline was the bridesmaid at. And late on in the evening, she kind of collared me and she was laughing her head off and she went, do, do you know that, um, you know, the video guy that we had? And it was Mike Langley. So if you know Mike Langley, he's... Uh, I'm, he's I'm a, working with him this weekend. Oh, oh yeah, he's a... As great, it happens. Yeah, I love the guy. He's funny. Hey, he's a great fucking laugh. He's probably yeah. one of the best videographers out there, to be fair. Yeah, he's he's very so easy to work with. Um, but I didn't know that he gave the raw footage to people. Oh, um, the whole lot. Um, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so just watch what you say when you're near him, because <laughs> after Madeline Rory had the wedding, a glorious, lovely venue, up, they were walking back up this hill, um, this huge hill, on the way back to the villa where they were, they, they were having the kind of the, the after party, and I was walking with Mike, and she basically said, all I can hear on the raw footage is you saying, I'm so fucking hungover, I'm going to throw <laughs> up in this bush, I don't think I can make any more. I want to just go and fucking die somewhere in a hole. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, oh, um, yeah, uh, luckily, uh, obviously, it's all taken in good humour and we're good friends now anyway. But um, if I was the sort of person to get embarrassed, I would probably get embarrassed. But the worst thing is that the wedding that she told me that, which is Amy and Rich's wedding. Hi, Amy and Rich. Mike was shooting as well. And she told me this story in the evening. Now, in the morning... I was sat at Amy's house um, pretending to have a poo on her toilet and <laughs> she will get that video footage. So I'd just like to say, Amy, I'm really sorry. I didn't have a poo on your toilet. <laughs> um, I was just pretending. Oh, that's brilliant. He stitched you right up there. Yeah, man. It's, um... I'm so glad you told me this now. I mean, if I'm, if I'm, I'm working with, with Michael on, on Saturday, I, I, I'm obviously going to be super aware of anything I say when he's when his camera's rolling now. Just be careful. Just be careful. Yeah. That's the only advice I'd give you. There was another <laughs> one where I set a bride on fire once. A veil went on fire like a piece of fucking magnesium. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> Uh, what, were you, then, what were you doing? Were you were you smoking or something? Or were you? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it was a sparkler exit, and we were all really drunk. Everybody was really fucking drunk. So, they're, they're, yeah. they're a danger. 
don't do spark exit when they're drunk. That's that would be my advice. I've been um, burnt by one myself, but I've never set any anyone on fire. So no, um, <laughs> and then there was another one where I had to be rescued out of a hedge by a taxi driver because I'd fallen in a hedge after having a piss, and it was I was the only person. <laughs> left there and i was down a country road luckily he saw me um while well, he saw my video light and um yeah pulled me <laughs> that's brilliant do you know do you know that um that whole sparkle exit thing with uh drunk people as well i saw this great youtube clip and it was um this bride she comes through a sparkler exit and um and her hair sets on fire um because it just sort of clips a sparkler and and so she's going through the through the sort of um the exit with with her hair on fire and she gets the end and she everyone's like yeah it's on fire and she like sort of pats it out and she's got this big like <laughs> hole where like her hair was right and then obviously instead of being like freaked out by it she just thought oh well we didn't get a good like video of it or photograph she was like right let's do it again and you're like mm, what part of this sort of made you think oh, that you should do it again that is definitely not a good idea <laughs> <laughs> they're, a, they're a nightmare those things sparklers i mean i i know everyone's I blame Pinterest. Um, these the, you do get some good sparkler exit shots, but like you've said, it, with with people who've had a drink and they're red hot, they're everywhere. You can poke people's eyes out with them. You can set people on fire. It's like well, I actually say to couples if they have them now, I just say, look, I'm not getting involved in it. You know, you you need to tell someone to get people lined up and everything and get them all lit, sort of like you know, uh, quickly and stuff. But I'm not going to direct anybody or do anything because then I'm like, obviously, if I'm if I'm doing it, then I'm kind of responsible for anything that happens and insurances don't cover pirate- small bombs. Yeah, 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 well, yeah it's pyrotechnic uh, use. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, obviously I subtly have a lot of involvement in it by speaking to the person who's organizing the, the like line and tell them what they need to do and stuff. But I'm like officially not involved kind of thing but um but you anyway. are so professional andy oh <laughs> do you know what i'm not because i am a lot of the time but i did talk about um someone uh should i say this oh yeah i'll go for it you've already said worse uh, my my brother-in-law is a um a doctor and he was shown like the good and the bad things that can happen during like whatever area of medicine you go into and and everyone keeps asking me about the ear to birth story when i when i go to the wedding the brides were always like oh tell us and then for some strange reason because i think i got a bit bored of telling the story i was like oh but that's nothing compared to what my brother-in-law was shown where the baby didn't come out of the vagina it created a new hole next to it <laughs> oh, God. yeah so um that that so i was telling the story to the bride and the bridesmaids and the bride's mum about this and then i suddenly got like to the end and they're all like they've all got their hands over the mouth looking like completely shocked and i was like maybe I've gone a little bit too far with this story, but actually the thought was great and her, her bridesmaid wants to book me for her wedding. So sometimes I guess a little bit of uh, unprofessionalism, as long as you're being yourself, sort of um, doesn't necessarily go amiss. Shows that you're just a, a regular guy, a regular person who's, you know. I, I don't know if regular people talk about those kind of things, Steve, <laughs> to be fair. Oh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. They, they do in Manchester anyway. But um, Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a we- <laughs> that's what that's what it says when you when you um when you drive into Manchester, it's like beware. <laughs> beware of the <laughs> stories the locals will tell you. Um I thought I thought you were gonna say then um, welcome to Manchester, home of the second pajama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we you know, it could be an interesting uh, sort of slogan to, to use for tourist information and stuff like that. But anyway, um, so obviously the stories you've told us, Paul, are, are pretty crazy and they cast you in a, in a pretty sort of crazy light. But I do know that you have two young children because you mentioned it already, but also you speak about them on your website quite a bit. And uh, as someone who has 
two children now and obviously trying to juggle all that with the business as well i'd love to hear some tips on balancing work and life if you have any wow um probably speaking to the wrong guy there right <laughs> <laughs> no yeah no but seriously yeah but no but yeah but no but um yeah i mean it, you know our kids are great and love them to bits and it, it is hard you know um certainly when you're self-employed and i think I guess the biggest thing is, you know, you've got to make the most of like family time, um, things you do together and and just try and find that balance. And it is hard. You know, I'm mm. a massive, really a massive workaholic. Um, yeah. I know I've come across as a bit don't give a shit and and um, free free reign and uh, and all that kind of thing. But I I work damn hard. But what yeah. I try and do is is work when like the kids are in bed or um when emma and my wife's gone to bed you know i'll stay up till one mm. most most evenings um either practicing or reading stuff or whatever and yeah um the biggest thing is to just have a partner who's got your back and you know who does who picks up the slack who gets it who understands my wife's amazing you know she makes a massive fuss over at any kind of occasion Halloween, Christmas, birthdays, whatever. There's bunting, there's a party, and you know she really holds the family together. It's um, it's humbling, you know, in a way. I'm off doing this bloody photography lark, um, living the life of Riley, and and, <laughs> and she's keeping the family together, you know. So, yeah, but it's difficult. Yeah, no, it's uh, you've got to have that understanding, like you've said, and and balance is is the key. But no, it's great to hear. Oh, I think like I think teamwork comes into it is what, yeah. what you're kind of saying. I'm oh, saying yeah. Guy is brilliant. She she really sort of gets what I'm doing and she sees like the hard work and she sees then the the sort of payoff of that when I'm I'm doing all right and you know she she sort of sees that development. She she actually invests her time and emotion in in what I do as well to yeah. to support me and that's really important. So basically, what we're saying, Paul, is that uh, you know the secret of our success is our wives. Yeah, man, definitely, one hundred percent is. There's yeah. a saying though, like behind every great man is a great woman. So you know, I think I think we're probably uh, confirming that. Definitely, and and that's me being really soppy and daft in it, but you know, it's true. It's absolutely true. Everyone who's listening at the moment is going to be going, ah, yeah, yeah aww, he's not who he th- not who he I makes know. himself out to be, is he? Look, listen to him now. And his he wife just up. his wife's just going, what's he after? so but i know you've said before that you did a lot of street photography before you got into weddings i mean i thought that was pretty obvious anyway from looking at your work do do, do you still do that or do you set yourself any other personal projects do you do you stroll the mean streets of of the northwest looking for epic street photos or or do you just snap photos of your kids in the house now what do you do (laughs) There's a, there's a massive difference between those two statements in there. Um, or not, actually. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, no, I mean, I'd, I've always got a camera with me. And I know you could argue that everybody has because you've got a phone with them. But yeah. I, I've always, always got a camera with me. Um, I, I do an awful lot of street photography. And that's just personal work for me. A, to keep myself sharp um and and to to keep the ability to compose quickly and think on my feet and i think if certainly in the way i do things anyway um from a documentary perspective if if you can come out from a day shoot and with like five decent street photos 
you're a good street photographer and if you're a good yeah. street photographer weddings are a, a piece of piss you know they're really easy to do but yeah um apart from the street stuff <laughs> sorry about that that's, uh, <laughs> that's Aussie, one of my dogs in the background um, all right i'll right, see yeah he's been a bugger i was hoping he wouldn't um he'd calm down a bit but no he'll, 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 he'll be quiet now um yeah um it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's he's like, like no i'm not yeah well, I'm, gonna, sure, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go and let him out otherwise he's just gonna do me in. i won't be I, a second we'll, we'll gloss over that <laughs> edit it out later um but yeah i mean apart from the street stuff um, i'm massively obsessed with documenting my kids lives and and the family life and everything else and going back to the first question steve asked me about you know what influences me and what my drivers and everything else um my my and don't don't get the violins out and i'm not after fucking a sob story oh my god he's great listen to him um but both my parents died when i was really young and i've hardly got any pictures of them at all oh wow um, i read that on your website actually and it it, it did it was it's poignant it's um you know, like you said, I'm, I'm not suggesting you're going all X Factor on us by mentioning it, but it, it, if that's what drives you, then yeah, yeah, I mention it because it's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge, huge, and and that is my main motivation. Certainly, when I'm shooting weddings, is to give people those memories that I don't have. So you know, their wedding albums, shit. Um, it's all well. There's probably about ten pictures in it that are, that are worth anything, but there's no character in them. There's no, um, <clears throat> there's just nothing there, and there's no sense of who they were as people. And it really was know. though in historic wedding photos, was it really? It's no, it was all it was all staged, and it was all yeah. this that, and the other. And it's so you know, it's it's kind of a massive hole in my life. You know, um, I didn't really know what they were like. I didn't know what the characters were like, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's kind of my driver which is why I'm massively obsessed with kind of recording our kids' lives and, and, and all of that. Um, and even if they don't look at the pictures, they don't care because they're there to look at if they want to look at them. Yeah. Um, well, one day they will, I'm sure. And well, one day you will or whoever. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, exactly, yeah. I, I, we, my dad gave me loads of photos from um, from years, years and years ago that I'd never seen. And it was stuff like my granddad. So my granddad was really important to me and he died when I was about 12 or 13. And I always knew about that he was in the army and he told like some stories about being in the army and stuff. But, you know, not that many. But, you know, I kind of mm. knew he'd been in the army. And then there was all these pictures of him in Africa, like really young looking and stuff. And I'm just like, I was like, you know, it was really amazing. It was and they were all worn with time so you could see like the passage of time since yeah. that moment just in in the kind of degradation of the photos and stuff and do you know like it, it was really lovely because it kind of made me sort of remember him uh, sort of like how he was but also like the stories that he did tell me and it sort of connected mm. the dots a little bit even though it was like 25 years ago that that yeah. he passed away so it's they are really sort of magical things photographs that they can sort of uh, preserve memories for like you know 50 years even or 100 years it's it's bizarre really it's it's, yeah. it's mad you should say that because i have um about um six months ago my my mum and dad gave me a load of photographs as well andy all um, oh, right that that, that were i'd seen some of them before i remember when i was a child but some of them i hadn't and it was literally there's was, there's was a few photographs of like my great-grandparents going back to the 1800s wow the late 1800s so the reason why my mum and dad gave them to me they, was because they were a bit worried that they might get lost or something so they wanted me to scan them yeah um, which i've obviously done now which is great because they're now saved in the cloud yeah um so it, and you could see some of the photos were starting to fade to the point where they might 
you know, some of them I did. You have to do some tweaking on Photoshop to bring back the contrast and things like that. Yeah. But I, um, it, 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 it's great to just have those and, and they are like a, a link back to people's personalities, which you don't, you just, like you said, especially with someone who you only knew for a certain period of time, if it was like a grandfather, you didn't know what they were like when they were no. 20, 30, 40. So it's, it's fascinating. There's, and it's, you know, I think it's just so important, certainly when it comes to weddings, you know, there are, there are old people there that might not see another wedding. There's mm. just getting that shit, man. It's, it's just so important for families. And, you know, I think a lot of people miss a trick there. It's, it's not about the wow shots. It's not about the aesthetics. It's about, like you said, Steve, you know, preserving memories for people. And, you know, I'll, I'll deliver pictures that I know are technically dog shit um yeah. and a lot of people wouldn't but i'll deliver them because the moment trumps everything doesn't it yeah man and it's you know it, it's a picture of somebody and if it's a picture of somebody that looks happy or they're having the time of their life or you know their character then who are we to deny people that you know yeah never know how much it's going to mean to them do you no exactly just exactly. sort of thinking about your approach and stuff because that kind of ties us in quite nicely with that um and, and you mentioned you know you do class yourself as a guest with a camera but i know when we sent you the mic to do this podcast with you uh mentioned something about dancing with the guests at a wedding so i'm guessing you get pretty involved with things and you know we all can't go oh, like a guest with a camera kind of thing and it's like you know we're not really like just photographers mingling but i think am i right in thinking you get way more involved in than than sort of most of us yeah well I haven't worked with that many other photographers, so um, I'd, who am I to judge? I don't know. But, you know, from from my perspective, yeah, um, from the time I arrive at the house, I view myself as one of the family members or a close friend. And I'll, I'll kind of... Some people get my approach based on, you know, the fact that they've just bought me. Others take a bit of... A bit of time to kind of adjust to that approach mm. and understand it, you know. But you know, I'll I'll turn up at the house. I'll sit down. I'll have breakfast with um, the last wedding I shot. I, I spent the whole morning with um, Abby and Mark and their family. Obviously not Mark because he was getting ready somewhere else. But you know, I sat down, played Scrabble with them. Lost really badly, by the way. Um, <laughs> really badly, and there was a twelve-year-old girl there, and she beat me. Ooh. I know, it's a really embarrassing. <laughs> I've got a great picture of her gloating, though, um, so it's worth it. Um, but, yeah, I, I really get involved. Um, and I I help where I can as well. So Amy and Rich's wedding, which is the one before Abby and Mark's, you know, I, I turned up at the venue, um, I helped set the place up, did some flower arranging, went and picked the dress up. That kind of thing where people just feel that I'm one of them, I'm com they're, they're comfortable around me. And I think I spend more time during the, the whole day talking to people, obviously watching what's going on, interacting and all that sort of stuff than I do actually taking pictures. You know, I don't, I, I don't really take that many pictures during a wedding and I probably deliver 90% of the pictures that I take. But it's for me, it's about getting people who, getting people to feel massively comfortable around me um like i'm one of them so the guard comes down um and i can get them as they are i mean that's 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 exactly what 
how I would imagine you you get the images that you do by gaining that trust and because otherwise I think people would have that line where oh yeah you're the photographer whereas it you're you're a guest whereas if you're kind of there do they know if you're a guest do they know if you're an official photographer some of them probably do but I would imagine some of them probably don't they just assume that that you know the the couple or your friends yeah yeah and I, to be fair steve i get that i get that a lot at weddings i actually um abby um abby and mark's wedding i would I, I was sat um sorry stood next to a guest and i was chatting to her after the ceremony and we were just having a good old chinwag and she was like um she, she was like an older lady well i say old as like 60s or something like that yeah and she was saying oh it's so lovely you know they don't have a photographer <laughs> um and, and and this that and the other and you and she was she went off on a waffle like i normally do and she was saying you know they're so bloody expensive aren't they and <laughs> you know they're they're a right rip off and you know you don't get any of this that and the other and i was like yeah yeah you know yeah yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah yeah shocking just chatting to a like somebody else would and um again you know parted ways um as the conversation ended and she was like my name's so and so and i was like i am paul the photographer and she was mortified oh, that's amazing mortified. you've reversed the embarrassment back onto the um yeah onto man. one of the guests bless her yeah <laughs> but you know if i get that kind of interaction with people and if i can fool people bearing in mind the ceremonies happen so i'm up front you know yeah. you can't hide the fact that you're up front when you know the bride's walking down the aisle and this that and the other but if people don't peg me as a photographer for them then i think my i'm doing a good job then yeah i think it's just because your approach is obviously so unconventional that people are like oh he mustn't be the photographer because you can't behave like that as a photographer so <laughs> yeah how dare he behave how like dare that? yeah it's well, shocking and i know that you um some and i don't stay anywhere near as late as you but i'm a big fan of staying quite late into the evening um at weddings because I, I i miss i think people miss so much so i i love staying till like 10 30 11 o'clock at weddings but i know that you often stay right till the very very end and by the very end i mean like one two three four in the morning um you must have some pretty correct i would probably go you've probably covered them all in your embarrassing stories but, <laughs> i mean i've seen some of your photos from that part of the evening and they, they make me chuckle because I, I know what it's like you know people that drunk and you must have some some funny stories from that part of the evening yeah I and mean, it's you know it's, it's a great time um it it's nice though because it kind of reaches um a crescendo you know last song of the evening and you know, I'm in the circle with everybody else and everybody's norm- we're all normally singing our asses off to some song or other or, you know, dancing our, dancing our heads off. Mm. Um, and then it, it kind of fizzles out into the, the normal end of the night standard stuff, really, you know, a few arguments maybe. Yeah, you'll get someone laying a, laying a sofa passed out or something. Or... Yeah, <laughs> people throwing up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people getting emotional and, and all yeah. that kind of thing but it's nice to see that certainly if you've seen it from the beginning you've got right uh, to the end then haven't you the yeah stories. and it's it, it's so nice to see that whole that whole story yeah you know it's um and and for a lot of people that is maybe not immediately but you know as the years go on or months go on it's it, it's nice for them to have that where they, they can see how the whole day panned out and you know I, I fucking love it man you know it's it's great I'd, I did have one guy um again Maddie and Rory's wedding where I think I've got it on my website it's a guy in a blue suit KO'd on the floor yes I, is it he on the grass 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was so fucking funny. I think Mike <laughs> was still with me then. It was Mike and actually Sean, Sean Carr, if you've heard of Sean. Um, yes. He, he's he, he's a great guy and he's he's one of the the up-and-comers that i'm i really want to see how he develops because he's got such a fantastic eye for for a, for a street picture but yeah i mean i saw the guy fall off his chair and i was over there straight away you know um laughing my head off dancing around him taking pictures <laughs> and, he, and he he actually got up and he was like swinging at me going oh i'm gonna fucking take your head off I was pissed as anything, laughing, running away from him and stuff. And um, I bumped into him at Rory's birthday. He was the groom. Um, I shot shot his birthday. Um, and he couldn't remember a fucking thing about it. I actually showed him the picture. He was completely oblivious to the fact that I was there and I'd taken a picture. <laughs> um, he didn't even know that picture existed. Um, so I am eight. I think his name's Matt. So, um, yeah, cheers for that, Matt. You've given me a lot of laughs over the last few months. Um yeah stuff like that is great i think that was one of the first pictures i remember you posting in in our uh, facebook group which i should sort of quickly just say if anybody is listening to this and hasn't joined our um, brilliant facebook community please search for photographers keeping it real on facebook and just add yourself to the group so you can join in with the the sort of sharing of amazing photos but paul yes that was definitely i think the first photo i remember you sharing it had quite an impression <laughs> thank you <laughs> um so uh another thing that i think really i kind of feel this is a point that you won't hold back on so we'll we'll see how this progresses talk to us about um fads like smoke bombs prisms copper pipe ring of fire and all that you're a fan yeah. right i know you like yeah. that stuff <laughs> yeah how long have you got yeah <laughs> <laughs> um wow uh um do you know what though honestly i i don't have a problem with the whole, and this is probably going to shock you too, um, I don't have a problem with the whole smoke bomb, the whole prism thing. When the person who starts doing it does it, because... When people copy is the, is the issue. Yeah, and, and it's the fact that, you know, somebody does it, somebody else thinks it's cool, it gets a load of likes on Facebook or whatever. Before you know it, every fuck is doing it. Um, there's people running courses on it. There's people teaching other people how to shoot like that. And it's like, fuck, man, who's teaching people how to take pictures, like proper pictures, you know? A lot of people just use it to mask the fact that they can't they can't take a decent photograph. So they chuck some shitty gimmicks in in the hope of gaining clients. And it... it it's ruining like the photography industry well the wedding photography industry it's not no nobody's learning how to take pictures properly anymore i think when when you're first starting out i mean i, I was certainly guilty of following a lot of trends when i was first starting out in the wedding photography industry I, I don't looking back now i'm like why did they do that but then i'm thinking well i was naive i, I didn't really know how to be myself and and i think that that might account for a lot of what goes on but I think also, uh, Steve, like there's there's a thing about sort of shooting with purpose. So, I mean, if you are using a prism or using a smoke bomb or using a copper pipe or whatever, that you're doing it for the right reasons and you're not just whacking it on every photo willy nilly just for whatever yeah. reason. You know, like sometimes, you know, you might use a prism to block out something in the room that's causing sort of a distraction in the background. And that's sort of shooting with purpose. It's just the problem is when you see someone do an engagement shoot or for something. The sake of it. Yeah, in yeah. every picture, it's they've used a prism on and you think, I'm like, why? Like, you haven't really done that with any understanding. I mean, it's like, it's like anyone just taking a photo of someone at urinal, you know? 
Paul does it yeah, well, wow. you know, because he understands why he's doing it. But like, if the rest of us did it, we'd be sort of like, you know, especially if it was an engagement shoot, that would just be weird. Paul, I've got, a I've got a challenge for you, Paul. I want you to take a photograph of, of somebody in your rhino with a smoke bomb <laughs> in there as well. <laughs> okay. That's your challenge. I'll do, I'll do that. I'll do that. I need to get hold of some smoke bombs because I can't, <laughs> can't physically touch your fucking things. But um, yeah, okay. I'll be up for that. Watch this space <laughs> in the next few months. I, will I, have, I have a feeling you're going to pull through on this as well. That's what that's what's kind of scary. <laughs> course I will but yeah I mean the, the, like you said Andy you know the, there are people who do it really well and you yeah. know um, I, I'm not being derisive about certain training courses the, there are guys like you know Neil Redfern's a probably really good example who knows his shit um, teaches well um, and, and shoots with purpose and there's a reason behind it it's yeah. just everybody else who kind of follows suit and as you were saying Steve you know I, I think the problem is that we, you can't blame the photographers that are, are learning this stuff. You have to blame the people who are teaching this stuff if they're not doing it right. No, I think that's a fair point. Well, thank you very much, Paul. You've been a pleasure Good. to have on the podcast. Um, we did have a few chats before, and me and Andy saying we know this is going to be quite off the, offbeat, maybe a little bit different, interesting, insightful, though, and you've certainly delivered so, so thank you much. We're actually going to send you a prism and a pack of smoke bombs in the post. As a <laughs> well, that'll come in, Andy. So what yeah. I can do is chuck a smoke bomb in a cubicle and um, chuck a prism <laughs> yeah. somewhere. So that'd be nice. Thank you. No, thanks, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast show. We hope that you did on top and go. Oh, halfway through the episode. We hope that you'll join us next time. That would be mighty fine. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.